Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by his word. And this, about, uh, talking about, speaking of the scriptures, are they which testify of me. Now, when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, as I share for the last three, four, five weeks, I don't even remember now. Jesus, uh, at that time, he was talking, of course, of the Old Testament. The New Testament wasn't written uh, yet. So in this verse, when uh, Jesus told to the Pharisees, search about me in the scriptures, he's talking about the Old Testament from Genesis all the way to Malachi. So we have shared about um, the, the symbols and the signs and the prophecies and, and different uh, uh, things that are in the Old Testament that are always not only pointing to Jesus um, as, as, as the Christ, but also of the cross and his coming back. Um, we have been sharing of all these prophecies about um, Jesus as our king, Jesus as our savior, and uh, Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the healer, etc. And today I want to share uh, about Jesus um, in, in the prophets. Um, uh, I, I will share only a few verses. Well, actually, we will go through uh, three verses in Isaiah, and then we'll go to Zechariah, God willing. Uh, just do not make it that long. But even all the prophets in the Old Testament were pointing to Jesus. So um, I want to start today. Well, actually, before uh, we read the Bible, let's just uh, say a prayer. You can close your eyes. Uh, let's just say a, a short prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, one more time we pray uh, for the Holy Spirit to give us guidance, to give us revelation, to speak to our hearts, to open the scriptures to us that we will see you, that we will get to know you, Lord. Um, I just uh, thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, and uh, just help me, Lord, to um, speak to your, to your people, um, whatever is in, in your heart for us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Okay, let's start uh, tonight with Isaiah chapter 9, 6, verse 6 and 7. Oh, also, for those that are coming first time too, what I'm doing is that I'm tying the Old Testament with the New Testament. Um, uh, I'm being trying, and the Lord has been helping us uh, to, to connect how, or, or to see how everything in the Old Testament connects with the, Old, with the New Testament. So I want to start with Isaiah 9, uh, chapter 6 and 7, only these two verses. Um, the, the whole portion, or well, the, the portion is actually longer than what we're going to read. I'm, I'm just trying to make it short. So uh, verse 6, uh, speaking of, of Jesus, of course, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Consular, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And look at this beautiful prophecy in verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
upon the throne of the throne of David and over his kingdom to order to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this Isaiah uh, or God revealed to Isaiah that there was a, a Christ that was coming it was coming through the lineage of, of King David but uh, as we um, study I think two weeks ago even even though um, David was used or the seed of David was used to bring um, Jesus to, to this world Jesus was the Lord of David. Um, in the word, in the book of Psalms, we we study where he called, where David, um, speaking of of Jesus, said, "The Lord said to my Lord, Amen." Jesus was calling. I'm sorry, David was calling Jesus his Lord. Jesus knew that through him, uh, somebody that was going to be bigger, if you will, greater than him, will come to save the world and to reign the world. So David was not supposed, or, or God did not choose David to reign forever. It was the Christ that was coming through um, David. And if saying, the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over, and over his kingdom. It's talking about a king that will reign not from Canada, not from Colombia, <laughs> not from, I don't know, not from Europe. Our king that will come will reign uh, from Jerusalem where the throne of David was. That's where the, let's call it the headquarters of the uh, kingdom of heaven will be here when, when the Lord comes. And I want to tie this in with Luke 1, uh, Luke chapter 1, 31, uh, verse 31 to verse 33. Because um, um, the, the difference between uh, the time of Isaiah and the times of Jesus, it's uh, roughly 800 years, right? So 800 years, there was a, uh, I'm sure the beautiful and godly uh, lady, a godly girl, who was chosen by God to bring this king that is mentioned in Isaiah 9. The Lord said, I will use you to bring or to, or to accomplish the, the promise that I made in Isaiah chapter 9. So an angel came to her. And they, had, and they had a conversation. She was not understanding everything that the angel was saying. But man, this girl had a huge faith. Even though she wasn't understanding, she was just accepting the will of the Lord in her life. So this angel comes to her and said, verse 31, not to read the whole conversation. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. The same that is uh, saying 
or the same that the, that the Lord revealed to Isaiah 800 years before. And verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. It's exactly the same promise uh, made 800 years ago, or basically it's been the, the promise in here is, or the prophecy is uh, taking place in this song. So even before uh, uh, Jesus coming to, to earth to, to save us, Isaiah already knew about the Lord. Isaiah met the, the, the Christ. And like I said before, in the Old Testament, you will not find the word Jesus. The word Jesus is not in the Old Testament. It's not there. But the prophecies, the symbols, and all these uh, stories that point to him are there. We just need to uh, ask the Lord to show us the revelation of all these prophecies. So, just want to repeat this that I always say in every single class. Did David need Jesus to go to heaven? Yes, he did. And he met Jesus. We already studied that. Abraham, Isaiah, all the men of God in the Old Testament, in their own way, Jesus was revealed to them. In many different ways, to, um, in, in a different way to each of them, Jesus was revealed in a different way. They went to heaven by faith in Jesus. In their, in, in the, in their case, they were believing on that who was to come. In our case, we believe in that who came and will come again. Amen? Now, um, I want to go to another verse. Um, I want to start this time in the, in the New Testament. So I want to uh, read John 12, 37 to 41. And uh, if you have the, the King James Version there on your, on, uh, with you, probably you have a title there that says, Who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? This is, uh, again, John 12, verse 37 to 41. And the same situation. Jesus talking to the, to the Pharisees. Okay, if you guys don't believe the signs, believe the, the Old Testament. Check the Old Testament. Ch check the scriptures because you will find me there. Verse 37, but although he had done so many signs before them, the Pharisees, they did not believe in him. They just chose to not believe in Jesus. That the word of, of Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts, hearts and turn, so that I shall heal them. Verse 41, this thing, these things 
Isaiah said when he saw his glory and he spoke of him. I will say this again. <laughs> These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. That him, that spoke of him is Jesus. Isaiah spoke of Jesus in the Old Testament. Again, he didn't use the word Jesus, but he spoke of the Messiah that was to come. When did this happen? When, when that happened that um, Isaiah saw the, the glory of God? Where do we find this? Where, where, where is that the, uh, Isaiah had probably his first encounter with Jesus? Um, or at least according to my knowledge, the first time Isaiah realized about the Messiah. Um, I want to read just a short portion. When you get home, please read the whole chapter, Isaiah 6. Um, Verse 5 to 7, we will share now. But when you get home, please read the whole chapter. Isaiah 6, 5 to 7. Uh, let me just put you in context. Isaiah in here um, is having what many believe. It was his, her, his first vision. When the Lord called him to be a prophet. So right now. What is taking place in here, Isaiah is kind of a, a, a prophet that is just starting. The Lord just called him to, to, to uh, speak to the people of Israel about repentance and to uh, come back to the Lord. And we know, uh, we all know how great of a prophet he was. When you read the entire book of Isaiah, it's so encouraging um, to read all the promises of God. And all the prophecies, uh, uh, not only about Jesus, but also about the, the entire world, the church, etc. It's a great book to read. If you haven't read um, the entire book of Isaiah, please do so. Please do so. The Lord wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you. So um, he's having uh, a vision of the throne of God in heaven. And he, saw, he sees there... Um, angels and he sees the, the, the throne but in these two verses um, I would say it's when he sees the most important thing of the, of the whole experience of, or vision he had so once he saw the glory of God, the holiness of God verse 5 he said woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, listen to this. Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. In this, right in this place, Isaiah repented and said in, in his heart, 
Lord, you, you know what? I'm an unclean man. I deserve nothing by destruction. So he needed something that he will continue to be before the presence of God. He knew that because of his sin, he was not supposed to be there. So basically the, the, the Bible says that uh, anyone who sees God will perish because he's so holy that we cannot endure to see his, his holiness. But then one of the seraphim flew to, to him and said, and uh, uh, the seraphims are, are, are angelical beings, and uh, the, word of, uh, the word angel means messenger. They give a message. The seraphim said to him, hey, you know what? You're not going to die. And, and it's not like we like you a lot. It's not like we, we'll, you'll stay alive because you're so cool. Or because we like you so much. No. There was uh, something that, that happened in there that, um, that made him to remain alive while watching the glory of God. And it was, the, the, that coal was taken from the altar. The seraphim said, okay, I'm going to. Catch just the coal, pull it in, in, put it in your lips, and your sin will be taken away. Why is this? What is in the altar? What's happening in the altar that has the power to clean away or to wash away sins? Is the Lamb of God being sacrificed, been sacrificed in there. It's the blood in the altar. When we read the book of Leviticus, and uh, it's funny because um, on, on, on Saturday, some of the young adults have been confessing how much they struggle with the book of Leviticus. For, cause, and, and I get it. It's, it's a little hard to understand. But this I told them. I said, once you, you read it the first time, but the second time, once you start to read it more with understanding, you, will, you cannot stop reading Leviticus. You cannot stop just wanting to know more of the symbols, more of the, yeah, and I, I understand. The first time I read it when I was, I don't know, 17, 18, I don't, I don't even remember. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this as fast as I can because I, I want to, uh, I want to get to the part of the Bible where there are wars and people is being killed and all these uh, stories that I did. Like, I do enjoy. <laughs> I do enjoy the book of, of Kings and the book of Samuel and Chronicles because it speaks of wars and the victory that God is giving to, to his people and all these kind of, of things that I, I really like to see. But you know what? When I started to understand the book of Leviticus... When I understand of the symbols of the sacrifices, the different um, symbols of Jesus in there, the different uh, um, symbols of the Holy Spirit, and when I started to understand the importance of the blood shed in the altar to uh, forgiveness of sin, I started to have that passion 
to know more about the symbols of Jesus in the Old Testament. So back to Isaiah. It's not that the, the coal had a, a special power just because. No, it was taken from the altar where the Lamb of God was basically dying to clean Isaiah's uh, uh, sins, to wash away his sin. So this is the first contact that I think, or that many believe at least, that um, Isaiah had with Jesus, if you will, or about Jesus. But there is another thing that happened, another vision, or, or, or another revelation, or another experience. I don't even know how this happened. The Bible doesn't explain exactly how this happened. If it was just inspired by God, or if he had a vision, or he had a dream. The Bible is not specific on this. But Isaiah saw Jesus dying on the cross. In fact, he described this with a precision that when we read it, it seems like we're reading the book of John or Matthew or Mark or, or Luke. It's so precise that it seems that when we read it, it's like, okay, is this the Old Testament or is this the New Testament? And this is the other reference. So in, in, um, in John 12, he's making reference to two different chapters of the book of Isaiah. On one hand, chapter number 6, that experience that, that Isaiah had of, of seeing the, the glory of God. And in the other hand, when he said, who has believed our report, is making reference to Isaiah 53. And this is where uh, the chapter where Isaiah describes what he saw that was going to happen to Jesus. I'm going to, it's um, a little long. I'm going to try to make it short. Um, so actually the, uh, the, the prophecy starts in Isaiah 50, 52. Uh, but just to make it short, I'll read it from uh, chapter 53. Verse 1. Uh, um, yeah, verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is what the same words that Jesus mentioned in, in, in John 12. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or calm lines and when we see him there is no beauty that we shall desire him he is despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we did not esteem him Surely, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him striking, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The, chast the chastisement of our peace was upon him. 
and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its cheaters is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And, he will, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was striken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear the iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. I wish in, in the future I can, I can actually do just a Bible study of Isaiah 53, 52 and 53, and see in the New Testament how everything fits in there. How there is a, almost a single verse in the New Testament for every single verse that is written in here. So, I didn't want to uh, uh, do that because that was going to take too long. But here is clearly speaking of Jesus Christ. Now, many would say, and, and let me add this. Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus on the cross. He saw the cross. He knew. Isaiah knew the Messiah was going to die for the sins of the entire, not only the nation of Israel, but the entire world. Isaiah, even though he, he was in the Old Testament, he needed Jesus to go to heaven. Every single person in the Old Testament, and I will say this again, that was saved was by Jesus, was because of the revelation they received of Jesus. And I'm sure that Isaiah in here was sharing this to many people around. It's not like he, he uh, wrote this and then kept it under the, the bed or something. He was preaching this. Many people at that time knew as well that the Messiah was going to die for them. That they just have to believe that that was going to happen. They were, again, 
They were believing on the Messiah that was coming. We believe on the Messiah who came. But both people in the New Testament and people in the Old Testament, we both believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now, many would say, hey, but um, it, it, this verse could be manipulated somehow. Um, this, this verse, um, maybe they, af after Jesus died on the, on the cross, um, maybe they came and, and changed a few verses that it will fit in there. But the thing is that before going to the cross, Jesus was talking about this chapter to the Pharisees. He was talking to them. Even before happening, he was telling them, go and read. Go and read Isaiah. And you will see how everything fits on me. How everything will fit on my sacrifice. Basically, that's what Jesus was telling to the Pharisees. Go to the Old Testament and they will bear witness of who I am. If I am the Messiah, the, the Redeemer, or not. In the other hand, the, the, the Jews, those that uh, believe only in the Old Testament, those that do not believe in Jesus, those that basically believe that Jesus is an, an imposter or a, or a false prophet, they are the ones who, has, who have this prophecy. When you go and, and read the, the, the Hebrew Bible, this, um, this chapter and this prophecy is there. They will not change it. They will not change it just to make Jesus to fit in there because they don't even believe in Jesus. Yet they have it there. And I see... You guys can, can go to, to, to uh, YouTube. I, I remember years ago, there is a, a video that went viral among Christians. Because uh, a guy went to Jerusalem and started to speak to the, uh, to, speak to, the, to the Jewish in there, in, in the streets. And he will start reading Isaiah 53 to the, to the Jews. And they had many of them had to admit, like, okay, yeah, the story of Jesus fits perfectly in this prophecy that was written 800 years before the coming of, of the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, it's, I'm, I'm not taking, I, I thought I was going to take longer, but apparently I will let you go, guys, before I thought. And I want to share, and this one really is not going to take uh, too long, just the last um, uh, um, verse today, or the last two verses. I want to share Zechariah 12, 9 to 10. Zechariah 12, 9 to 10. This one fits with the coming of the Lord in the, in the book of of revelations and and in the um, and in the gospels too so we talk about the king that that god said will reign forever we talk too today about the prophecy of that king dying on the cross and now we will talk about the prophecy of that king one of the 
hundreds of prophecies, I would say, of Jesus coming back to reign. Now, I just want to put this in context. Um, uh, when we go through the book of Revelations, and I know that um, uh, last month we uh, went through the, through the book with uh, Pastor Dave. And uh, we were uh, studying about how the nations will surround Jerusalem right now. They are unbeatable. Like, for, I don't know, 80 years, the rest of the countries around Israel, has, they have been trying to destroy Israel. Nobody has been able to conquer, to destroy Israel. Such a small country, no oil, not too many natural resources. The countries around had a lot of oil, natural resources, money, bigger population. And they have been battling against Israel for the last 80 years. They have not been able to defeat Israel because God is with them. Because God is protecting them. Because God has a plan with them, regardless of their mistakes regardless if they accept Jesus or not, they are being used by God. But the day will come. The book of Revelations tells us, and even the Old Testament tells us, that the day will come that they will not be able to do anything to defend themselves of their enemies. The Bible says that the, world, the, the day will come that they will realize that all of their weapons, right now they have a lot of weapons, they have good strategies, they're very good at war. God has given them the, the wisdom on how to put different uh, 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 systems and military tactics, whatever. But the day will come that they will realize that nothing of that is going to work. That they need more that they need a savior. Once the entire, I don't know if it's going to be like the entire world, probably not the entire world, but the, the, uh, the nations under the power of the Antichrist will surround Jerusalem and they will not be able to stop them. Then, at that point, the Bible says the Lord will appear. Jesus Christ will come with his people, with us. You and I, we will be there. We will, we, I think we read that three weeks ago about us coming from the clouds on horses with him. And I will say this again. If you cannot afford a horse right now, do not worry. You will have a horse when you go to heaven. And this horse is going to fly. It's coming from heaven through the clouds. You'll be riding your horse. But guess what? You won't even go into battle. Because the book of Revelation says that with the sword that comes out of the mouth of, of Jesus, he will destroy the nations. 
And like I said that day, it's not literally a, a sword coming out of the mouth, okay? His, his word, he's talking about his word is so powerful that it is enough. It is enough to destroy the entire world. In fact, I will open a parenthesis in here to say one of the other things that I always try to, 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 to repeat and to make sure we all know. When Jesus came to, to the earth to save us, he worked miracles and, uh, and he went to the cross. Nobody killed Jesus. Nobody killed him. That was impossible. No one can kill God. Now, if you say the Pharisees killed Jesus, the, the Jews killed Jesus, the Romans killed Jesus, like it's not like I have a problem with that. But when you go deeper into the word of God, you realize that he gave his life for us. He said, I'm going to do this. He had the power to destroy all the nations just with his word. And sometimes we, we think he didn't have it at that time. He had it. He had the power to destroy the entire world if he wanted and make a new one. So it's not like he was defeated. He desired to give his life to save us. Amen? I close that parenthesis in there. So Jesus will come and just with his, the power of his word, he will destroy the nations. That's Zechariah 12, um, sorry, chapter 12, yeah. Verse 9 and 10. Verse 9 says, It shall be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And verse 10 says, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. They will realize, hey, you know what? God save us. We have been fighting for three and a half years, fighting against the, uh, the Antichrist. We have been able to stop him here and there, but we can no more. We're done. That's the spirit of supplication that the Lord will pour on the, on the Jews at that time. Then they will look on me whom they pierce. They will look on me, whom they pierce. Jesus will show the signs. And they will know that when, when, we re, when they realize that the Antichrist is not the Christ, that they were just deceived by the Antichrist, they will look unto Jesus. And they will say, what have we done? What have we done? We were believing in the wrong person. And they will recognize that that one who was pierced in his hands and his feet on the cross 2,000 years ago or I don't know how many years ago. Exactly when is the Lord coming? I don't know, but I know he's coming soon. They will realize that one who we have been rejecting, that we have been saying he's a false prophet, is the one who is there coming from the clouds 
and he's coming to save us. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. How many believe that the Lord is coming soon? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And everybody will see, not only the Jews, everybody will see that that one who was pierced on the cross, who was nailed on the cross, is the Savior of the world. Amen? When we read this, ver this verse, just before closing, it sounds like we're reading the book of Revelations. But no, my brother, this is the Old Testament. Even in the Old Testament, the coming of the Lord was prophesied. So let's bow, bow our heads. Let's just pray to close this time. It took, it didn't take that long. Wow, I'm surprised. It didn't take that long. So, Father God, I just want to thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you, Lord, because in the scriptures, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, Revelation, Everything is about you as the Messiah, as the Christ. You as the Savior. It's about you as the Creator. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for that sacrifice that was promised to all those in the Old Testament that knew about you. I thank you, Lord, because you accomplished your word. You answer the prayers. I, I, I thank you, dear God, because everything in the Bible is about you. Everything is about your son Jesus and him crucified for us. And him as the Savior that is coming back. I just pray, dear God, that we will continue to have revelations uh, about you. That you will, we will continue, Lord, to go through the word and get to know you. Give us, Lord, that passion and that revelation. We need, Lord, to get to know you more through the scriptures. I pray blessings on everything, on, I'm sorry, on everyone who has um, come into this place, Lord, with a heart of listening to you, of learning about your word. And I pray blessings too, and I pray prosperity, Lord. Pray that wherever we go, you, you will go with us. You will prosper our ways in every single aspect. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your uh, redemption. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give a hand to the Lord. God bless you. And uh, see you next week, guys. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.